Welcome to the Business Chef Podcast, where we learn from the best about the business side of the food service industry. Do you make food? Then let us help you make money doing Want to connect with us? Check us out at Make Food Make Money on Instagram or Facebook. Or email us, info at businesschef.org. Welcome home. Those of you who listen to the Business Chef podcast know that I am your host, Chef Sean Boucher, and today we have a phenomenal episode, if you ask me, phenomenal. We're talking to Rob and Sarah. Now, Rob and Sarah live in a small town in the mountains of Colorado, and they have three different businesses. So, being able to run those businesses along with finding balance in life is a challenge, but we're going to let them tell us all about it. So we started in 2012. We opened Sweetie's Bakery and Deli at the time. Um, we opened it by purchasing an existing business that had been in Salida for about 75 years uh, before we had purchased it. Um, and it, So it had been a bakery for 75 years. What we had purchased was a business that had been a bakery in Delhi. And um, it was kind of our first shot at owning a restaurant, first shot at owning a business. Uh, I um, am more of a business personality. Sarah's more of a chef personality. We found we had a real passion for food. Decided to give it a go. Um, and at that time, we uh, kind of just jumped right in. Not sure really how we were going to do it all, but thought we'd figure it all out in the way. And then as we did it, for the first few months, we kind of added a few things, but mostly tried to continue the same thing they were doing. Um, and after we really got our footing, we uh, really started to kind of expand it and really make everything there our own. And uh, we saw what worked and what didn't work, and we kept expanding to the point where um, at that time we were serving breakfast, breakfast pastries made to order um, breakfast items, and we decided that didn't really fit um, for our business model and what we wanted. And so we've uh, since changed that business to Sweetie Sandwich Shop, and we're just a lunch business. We still bake everything in-house. We still uh, make a lot of dessert items and uh, pastries and those sorts of things, but we cut out a lot of the breakfast ones. After we kind of figured that out, uh, we let that... um, kind of get to a point where we felt really comfortable, decided to open up two more businesses, both within a year of each other. So the first one was Mo Burrito, um, which is a fast, casual uh, burrito, taco, quesadilla-type um, restaurant. Everything there is made in-house, and uh, we're really um, proud about that, but it's also kind of a, a simpler menu in that sense. And then uh, we opened a year later a wine and dessert bar called The Biker and the Baker, um, where we do specialty desserts and specialty wines and charcuterie plates as well. So that's obviously the evolution of the business. Talk a little bit about you personally. Sarah, how did you get started in this business? What What's your career been and what's kind of brought you up to this point? So I went to culinary school um, and studied pastry arts in Boulder, Colorado, um, about 15 years ago. And since then, I have worked in a number of kitchens and um, worked for culinary schools um, since I went to school. Um, 
I worked my first job out of um, culinary school was in a fine dining kitchen in Boulder um, as an assistant pastry chef, and I found it was kind of an abusive environment, kind of um, not a real loving place for a 19-year-old woman to kind of expand her passion for food. Um, So I was a little turned off, a little bit scared to work in kitchens again, and um, decided to work for the culinary school of the Rockies that I went for, uh, that I went to, and they offered me a great job, and I grew with them until they were acquired, Um, and I taught classes there, I worked in the office, I did marketing, you know, I maintained um, that um, passion for food that I've always had and that training that I had, but just didn't work in a kitchen. Um, and then Rob and I kind of stumbled on this little mountain town in Salida, and we'd been coming up here for a few years and walked by one day, and Rob said this was – we walked by the uh, previous business where Sweeties is now, and Rob said, you should buy that. <laughs> and I was like, no, I never want to work in a kitchen again. I I was just kind of scared. You know, it wasn't a real healthy work environment for anybody and I was a little a little traumatized so um after a lot of thought and kind of some negotiating and convincing we decided to give it a try and I could never see myself not doing this at all I mean this is our dream and our passion and our love I have my own enormous kitchen we have tons of employees and I love running my own kitchen now you know, it's funny because I, I think, obviously, you're not the first person to realize that a lot of kitchens, especially kitchens, kind of more what they've been in the past, not necessarily as much today, I think, but, um, I you know, it wasn't always the healthiest environment. It wasn't always a an environment that fostered and, and allowed for mistakes. A lot of it was very, very challenging, so... You know, having worked in those settings myself, I can identify with some of your struggles. But talk a little bit about what you do differently. Yeah, thank you for um, for mentioning that. I think that's something that's really overlooked in this industry, um, especially for women, I find, um, female chefs. I mean, you have to be incredibly tough to be a female chef um, because I've, had a history of, you know, working in kitchens that were a little abusive and traumatizing. We are, you know, we can get grumpy just like any other chef. You know, I'm still a chef with a a little bit of a temper, but, you know, I've never yelled at anyone. I've, I mean, not in a mean way, I don't think. Um, I've never, Rob is laughing at me right now. Um <laughs> We try to just make everybody feel as safe as they can. You know, we respect everybody, their differences, where they come from, and just try to make it feel like a safe place. And you can ask people to do things for you nicely. You don't have to yell at them. You don't have to throw things at them. You don't have to break things. You know, we've never once treated our employees like that. We realize we can't live without our employees. They help our businesses run. We can't do it without them so we try to just treat everybody like we want to be treated and that doesn't mean like in any job we could get frustrated or annoyed or lose our temper but we would never disrespect anybody or make them feel unsafe at work 
one thing that uh, I think this is true of a lot of business owners in general, but also it's true of chefs is they think that they're the most important part of the restaurant. So they're the ones that are, uh, it, it only runs because of them. They come up with all the ideas and <clears throat> it's key, you know, it doesn't really matter who else they have with them as long as they're there. And I think that's kind of a misconception and something that we don't take for granted. And then that's part of why um, we've been successful is that we do really appreciate our staff. We can't do it without them. We've gotten too big where it can't just be Sarah and I anymore. And we want to show them the type of appreciation that we wanted to feel when we were employees working for someone else that we didn't always feel like we received. I think also, too, like, you know, like the Food Network and the Cooking Channel and, like, all these, you know, cooking blogs make being a chef look really glamorous and, like, it's beautiful and, you know, it's fun and that's not always the case. And a lot of people come in and kind of expect that they're just going to be making these beautiful cakes and, you know, most of being a, a chef and working in a kitchen is, washing dishes and cleaning things and making components of dishes that don't look beautiful. And if we find someone that really can hang in there and um, work hard and listen to be able to execute beautiful food with us, um, you know, we treat them like our family and we treat them with the most respect and appreciation that we can. You know, what a novel concept, right? Treat others the way you want to be treated. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's not rocket science, but for some reason it took a while to really get, get that down. And I think a lot of chefs still, still struggle with that. You know, um, Rob, you make a good point that a lot of times we think that the sun rises and sets on us. And, and, you know, I, I can't say I've ever been that type of individual, but I've definitely worked with some people that have been. And I'll tell you that it's, it is a struggle because it is such a team effort and you absolutely have to be a team. You have to pull together as a team. You have to work together as a team. You have to, you know, struggle together and, and succeed together to really, really gain that, that admiration for, for one another. But I do think that the industry is on the right path, that we've, we've come a long way and we're, we're doing a lot better in, uh, in that regard. But, you know, kind of switching gears, let's talk a little bit about your business. Um, I'm sure there's people out there who are wondering, who are curious, uh, and probably in the same boat. How did you get started? Now, obviously, it's not cheap to start a restaurant. And, uh, I mean, did you just have loads of cash laying around? Or talk a little bit about how you actually got started on the business side of things. We got started uh, with um, both Sarah and I. Uh, had in part owned a um, a condo in Boulder, and we had sold it uh, with uh, we had owned it with my parents at the time. And um, as part of that agreement with them, we walked away with a little bit of money. Uh, and we didn't want to, uh, you know, spend that frivolously. Wanted to actually invest it in either another house or a business of sort. So we had a very small amount of money that we used as like um, our initial capital to start uh, Sweeties. And uh, in addition, we opened when we opened, we had gotten married um, less than a month before we opened. <laughs> and so um, on our registry, we registered for 
restaurant equipment and told people that if they really wanted to give us a gift, they could do that or give us cash. Um, and so that allowed us to make purchases of, like, our food and other things initially. Um, our and, toaster oven that we toasted bagels in for years was a wedding gift. Yeah. Like, a lot of our dishes were wedding gifts initially. Um, and Most so, of them are broken now. <laughs> Um, but it helped us get going, and um, beyond that, uh, both Sarah and I have a do-whatever-it-takes type of drive, um, and so when we uh, started Sweeties, we let go of the entire staff because we weren't sure how we were going to pay everyone, and we worked just the two of us with uh, one um, employee, and uh, we did that as long as we could, and we still do that as much as we can. We um, have worked um consistently 100 hour days we both work seven days a week uh we do whatever it takes to make our businesses run uh if someone doesn't show up you know we're the first ones to uh show up and take their place um or we just have a commitment to do it without them uh we're really good at problem solving and finding ways to make it work but that doesn't mean that we don't run into problems uh it takes a lot of capital to start restaurants so now that we've started three um, we have uh, a large amount of debt that we're finding ways to pay off, but there's always a challenge, especially in a seasonal town, um, to make sure that all those uh, expenses get paid and are met. And we really um, will do whatever it takes. We'll sacrifice for us personally for months without getting paid and uh, do whatever we need to do to make this work. And I think that is um, such a... A lot of people have lost that drive and their work ethic of, you know, I'll work 80, 100 hours a week. I will um, decide I won't get paid. I'll do sacrifice uh, making friends and seeing family. Um, and we're willing to do that because we feel like these things, in order to make our businesses successful, that those are that important. And so it's something that I don't think we'll ever stop doing. Uh, and it's uh, unique, and there are definitely challenges with it. And we have uh, reached the point of burning out uh, lots of different times, and um, still struggle with that. But we're also very committed and excited about what we do at the same time. <laughs> I mean, you talk about incredible. That is incredible. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you come from, how you start, how you finish, how much money you have. I mean, that is incredible. That dedication. And that passion, they're, they're, man, there's probably not even a handful of people that have that. Well, probably at least a handful, but I, I, I'm just amazed. That is such a cool story. <laughs> um, I, how many of us can say that we put restaurant equipment on our registries? I mean, come on. Anyway, um, I, one of the things I'm really curious about, one of the things that I think is very interesting uh, about your situation is not only do you have multiple concepts, but you're doing it in a place that is very seasonal. And seasonal businesses have challenges all their own. So talk a little bit about seasonality and and kind of how you guys adapt to that challenge. So the season for us is the summer. And it's really like four months long. And um, we think of it as kind of like the inevitable four months of suffering. Uh, but at the same time, it's where we make all of our money for the year. 
So there's a big focus on like making sure that we have enough staff, making sure that we're prepared and we've uh, put things in place so that they can run as efficiently as possible throughout the summer. Um, and then we're also trying to like pay off all of our debts, like short-term debts during that time, and save money for the winter uh, because there are going to be months where we don't make money and we got to plan for like unexpected events to come up uh, you know something breaks that's very expensive um and so there's lots of uh things that we're trying to balance in that uh and uh, you know for us in the summer we just put our heads down and try and get through it and try and make sure everyone's happy and keep everyone in a good mood and you know that's definitely the time where we kind of make the biggest sacrifice in terms of our um ourselves personally like we don't exercise as much we don't spend as much time with each other we don't uh, go out and do other things as much because there is um, such a focus on just doing whatever it takes to make the businesses run during that time when it's most important to us and we have the most customers and we're trying to please everyone you know regardless of whether you run a seasonal business or not that is a lesson that we can all learn from that when when things get tough and things get hard, we just sometimes have to put our head down and get through it. We just have to grin and bear it, get through it, and and those upsides come when we're able to just really focus and, and get what we got to done. Just, we got to do it. You guys also have some unique challenges in the fact that you have a family. And so now multiple concepts in a very seasonal town and now you have a family to deal with too how do you guys do that how do you balance all these things so rab and i really our top priority is our kids um especially when we're not at work um and they're little they're three and four so they're not even in school yet um we send them to preschool three days a week and it's hard because we, I mean, our businesses, like, the span of them are open from 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. So um, one of us will pick them up from school, one of us will drop them off from, at school, and then someone will be home with them at night. Usually someone else is at work, and we just switch off with them. So they go to school three days a week. They're with a sitter one night a week. On Friday nights, we both work at different restaurants. Um, but every other moment of the day, we are with our kids. Um, and it's definitely hard sometimes, especially, you know, when you're a mom and you work full-time. It's hard to not be with your kids when, like, all the time when you want to. Um, but there are times we have to take them to work and get things done. There are times that, you know, we have a crisis or someone doesn't show up or, you know, we have to get a babysitter or something immediately. But they know that they are our top priority when we're with them. Um, and we just try to be with them, whether we're together with them or apart with them. We try to put them first, no matter what. You know, I, I've always said, and I, I still think, in fact, I, I mean, I struggle with this myself. I travel a lot, and I always feel guilty for being gone. And anyway, it's just... There's a lot of realities that sometimes we just have to kind of accept and know that it's not going to last forever and know that, you know, there's going to be phases of life and and things. But I I think you guys, you know, as long as your heart's in the right place and as long as you're really trying, um, you know, a lot of people will say, well, you can't have both. You can't have this, 
incredible career and, and do all these things and then have a successful family life. And I think there's probably truth to it on both ends. I think that if your priorities and your plan and, and desire and things is really trying to take care of your family and, and the focus is there, then yeah, you're, there's going to be certain sacrifices you have to, you have to make at work to maybe not get certain things done or, or whatnot. But kind of the same along the same lines you know to to have a successful family life you're like yeah you got to be there and you really got to focus that time and so obviously you have you have some some challenges and struggles but i think if your heart is in the right place and if you're really trying like you guys are i i think that success comes and and i think it's all relative you know it's what success looks like to me might not be the same as what it looks like to you or, or vice versa. You know, we have to stop thinking about or, or letting others dictate what our success is. We have to really just say, this is my reality. I'm doing the best I can. I'm choosing to live this way. I'm choosing to do these things. And because I'm choosing, I'm going to choose to do whatever it takes to get through it. And, and as we do that, that's when I think that we, we really come out on top. So, you know, along these same lines, what do you think the biggest struggle that you guys have right now? What's your greatest need in your businesses right now? I think we could just use more sleep. <laughs> uh, um, I think our biggest struggle comes down to people. Um, and what's most tiring for us is both customers and employees. Uh, and, and like I said, and Sarah said before, we love our employees. We appreciate them uh, so much. But at the same time, uh, they are kind of like our family. So when all of them have issues individually, um, they become our issues. Uh, when someone calls in sick every day for two weeks, it's like, oh, uh, we're worn out by that point. We're doing our best to make it work and come together. On the other side, it's also the customers. So, um, you know, we have an expectation of what we want everything to be, but people are really picky. This uh, One of the hardest parts, I think, about the food industry that's really underestimated is that we are all, and this isn't just us, this is like every restaurant, uh, including McDonald's and uh, you know fast food chains, is that we're held on a, like a pedestal and we're expected that um, health standards are like pristine, our customer service is amazing, um, Everything, you know, the quality and consistency is always there. And if it's not, it's really easy for a customer to go online and complain about it anonymously. And uh, they don't have to tell us. They don't have to do anything. But it's for us who work really hard and are re really care about our products. Um, we're really passionate about this. We care about every customer that comes in. Sometimes it's really painful to hear them uh, complain about what we're uh, doing and spending all of our time doing. Other industries aren't held to the same standard in that way. Um, and I feel like if we look at someone wrong, we might get a bad review. And uh, it could just set the whole tone for the rest of their experience. So um, with that in mind, I think personally that the, the people throughout um, are kind of what make this hardest. If it was just Sarah and I and we just had to order food and make it all the time, that'd be pretty easy for us. Uh, it's the like trying to get make everyone happy. It's definitely the service, I think, that is the hardest, the dealing with the people for sure, like Rob said. And I think that, you know, in every every other industry you get 
a second chance at everything, you know. You can do anything over, remake anything, or send an email differently, or redo a budget. But, you know, when you're a chef, like, you have one shot to get it out perfect every single time. And I would say, for the most part, we totally do that. But we're still human, just like everybody else. We're trying our best, and... um it's hard that, like, one time when it's almost perfect and it's not totally perfect is usually when someone wants to complain, and that's hard. You know, we're just as human as they are. Um, and so that's that's always been really hard for me. It definitely stings. I think that uh, anybody who puts their heart and soul into something who's passionate about it and really cares and really tries, you know, when you get that negative feedback, it is crushing it it can be it can be so bad. I mean, it can really put you into a tailspin. But a lot of people can take that and really turn around and and learn from it. And I think that's what you have to do. You have to learn from it. You have to move on. Otherwise, it it can it can just crush you because in in a lot of ways you feel like they're rejecting you when they have a bad experience or they they don't get the food right. So. What what advice do you guys give to the up-and-coming culinary generation or those who are maybe looking to improve their careers? What advice do you have for people? Um, I would say you really have to do – you can always work harder. You can always work harder than you ever thought you could. Um, maybe it takes a little bit of pressure and some – um, some obstacles in your way to find that out, but I never thought I could work this hard. I never thought I could do this much. Um, I never thought I could accomplish this much, and I think it's just that I wake up every day and I'm ready to take on, like, the next challenge, and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to make it work. I'm willing to sacrifice everything to make our businesses or restaurants run, um, to make our marriage work, to make our kids happy. I am just willing to take on whatever challenge that is. And I think that I don't know if people are intimidated by that or they don't think they need to work hard to to be successful, but I just think it's that drive that you have to have to be successful. Yeah, I would, I would second what Sarah said. In addition, just say that, we don't believe that anything is, like, given to you in life, and that's really, I think that's something that uh, I see, especially with our younger generation, they think it's kind of already there for them uh, in some ways, and um, I don't think anything is given to us, or we try not to take anything for granted and just continue to work hard. That's the really the, the end message is... Uh, and I think that if you can be inspired somewhere and at the same time, it makes you work even harder. So if you can take a break and eat new food or travel or do something different or even go for a walk on a trail that you've never been to before, like that can inspire you so much that it will make you want to work harder. So you just kind of have to keep taking risks and pushing yourself and doing new things. Otherwise, gets kind of boring and there's no reason to work hard but if you're inspired there's a reason to work hard well i can honestly say that there are not a lot of people out there that can do what you guys are doing honestly i mean i 
there's probably a handful of people in this country, let alone in this business, that could really pull off what you guys are doing, and you're really to be commended for it. It's just, it's pretty amazing. Um, if somebody's coming to town and they want to know more about about you or your concepts, they want to try it out, or maybe they just have a question. Uh, I'm guessing that's something you're open to. So, how does that work? What's the best way of getting a hold of you guys? The best way to get a hold of us is through email at either info at Sweeties in Salida. So it's S-W-E-E-T-I-E-S-I-N-S-A-L-I-D-A dot com or info at moburritos dot com. There's also info at thebikerandthebaker dot com. And we check all of those emails all the time. We're always in contact. Um, and then you can also find each of our places on Instagram as well. Um, we're there. We have a huge social me- social media presence. Um, we don't pay for any advertising, so everything that we have is very raw, very real. We just document everything. Awesome. Love it. Well, I have to put in a little plug for you guys and to the listeners out there. If you are ever in Salida or even in that area, you should go stop by. I spent a few days there. Uh, recently, and I ate at a few places, and I'll be honest with you, the only places that the food had any flavor or that I would even go back to, all three of them were your places. So congratulations on that. I don't know how much of an accomplishment that is. Yeah, I don't know if I'm the super critic or anything, but anyway, I was just really impressed by everything that you guys did, so kudos. Thank you so much, Sean. We really appreciate you thinking of us and um, wanting to feature us. We're really, really excited. And we uh, also really appreciate your feedback. Thank you. That means a lot to us. We know you talk to a lot of people all the time and people in this industry. So we really, really appreciate your words. Hey, thanks for sticking around. Be sure to share this podcast with your friends, family, co-workers, or anyone who's interested in making food your money. And when you get a second, give us a review. It really helps us get the word out as well as letting us know how we're doing. Want to connect with us? Check us out at Make Food Make Money on Instagram or Facebook. Or email us, info at businesschef.org.